All right, we're in Lesson 15 today, and we're in Revelation Chapter 8. Let me, uh, before we, we're, we're going to talk about the seventh seal today, but before we, before we go any further, I, I, need you to have, I need you to understand something. What we're going to read about today has parallels in other places in the Bible. For instance, some of the things that you're going to read about today have happened before because you might read them and you might say, oh, come on, you can't be, you can't, this can't be real. This must be allegory. This must be, you know, this must be some kind of illusion or something or just fantastic language describing something. This possibly cannot happen. Well, I need you to remind you of something. When you take this passage and correspond it with the plagues in the book of Exodus, you'll see a lot of similarities. And, and what I want you to understand is, is that this can happen because it has happened before. And really the issue is whether or not you can believe they can happen. They're going to happen. But the bigger issue is where are you at as far as your belief. So it's really de it really de determines whether or not you believe the Word of God is the Word of God and that it is true and without error. So when you read this, you almost have to say, do you believe that the plagues happened in Egypt? It's not just a story. Do you believe that happened? Because when you look at what's going to go happen, especially when we get into chapter 8 here, we're going to describe some terrible things that are going to happen. And you've got to decide, do I believe this or not? Do I believe this can happen? Do I believe this will happen? So really the issue isn't whether or not it's truth. It's truth. The issue comes down to what you believe about it. Because that will determine a lot for you. Do you understand what I'm saying? You know, it's going to happen whether or not you decide to believe it or not. Because if you decide you don't believe it, that really says something about where you're at. That really says something about where you're, what your condition is as far as your spiritual life. So let, let's look. First of all, we've already looked at there are six other seals. The first four were the four writers of the apocalypse, as they're known. And we saw the martyrs and so forth and the great earthquake, and the shifting of the skies, and the changing of the heavens, and so forth. Let's look at the, verse 1 tells us that he opens up the seventh seal. And when he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. Okay, look here, look at what, what I want you to see. When the seventh seal was opened, there was silence in heaven for 30 minutes. Now, let me just stop for a moment. Why do you think there's silence? This is purely speculation. There's no right or wrong answer here. The Bible doesn't tell us exactly why, but I'm, I'm kind of curious as to why you think there's silence. Anybody? Because what, what's that? Because of how ominous the judgments are? Okay. That's good, Bruce. Anybody else? Why do you think there's silence in heaven for 30 minutes? Anticipation, okay, Laurie says. 
Okay? I kind of lean towards where Bruce is because of what we're about to read and how devastating they are. You know, sort of like the calm before the storm. And because uh, I, I think it also illustrates to us how serious it is. Because it's not like when it op- you know, when he opens the seventh seat, there's like, yay! Wow! There's not like celebration. There's silence. It tells us how serious what it is that's about to happen. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's a serious thing. So here's what I want you to see about this seventh seal. The seventh seal contains the seven trumpets. The seventh seal is another series of seven judgments. So the seventh seal judgment is seven more judgments. Do you understand what I'm saying? So we saw that it was seven seals. We saw six judgments there. And then the seventh judgment is, lo and behold, seven more judgments, which are seven trumpet judgments. So look with me at verse 2, and we'll understand what's going on here. And I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. So here's what I want you to see. John sees seven angels who were given seven trumpets. So then he sees something else. Before the trumpets are sounded, we're going to see that there's an angel with a golden censer. Look with me at verse 3 through 5. Then another angel, having a golden censer, came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense, that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense, with the prayers of the saints, ascended before God from the angel's hand. And then the angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar, and threw it to the earth. And there were noises, thunderings, lightnings, and an earthquake. Okay, let's look here first of all. John sees another angel who stands before the altar with a golden censer. So a golden censer is a bowl. You understand? It's a type of bowl. So he's standing before the altar with this bowl of some sort. It's a golden bowl. It's called a censer in the Bible. So he's standing before the altar with this golden censer. Now, the angel was given incense to offer with the prayers of the saints. So this bowl contains the prayers of the saints. So he was given incense to offer with the prayers of the saints before the altar. Now, let me just stop for a moment. Considering what the book of Revelation is about, what do you think those prayers are? Is it a prayer for a new truck? Is it a prayer for a parking place in downtown Clearfield when you can't find one? God, give me a parking place. Is that what it's about? What do you think those prayers are that are being offered up? Vengeance? Judgment? You know, I've been, in my personal devotional time, I've been reading through uh, the Psalms. And I've been through book three. Actually, it was very, very heavy for me, book three of the Psalms, which was, uh, I forget which Psalms they are. 
it's around 80, 70, 80, you know, in there at range. And a lot of the psalms in there really deal with either David or, or Esap, someone crying out to God for vengeance upon their enemies. God, how long are you going to turn against those who, who fight against your children and so forth? And, and I think when we look here and see the prayers of the saints being offered up before God, I think it's the prayers of God's children for, number one, for Jesus to come back. And number two, for God to set things right. Do you understand what I'm saying? For Him to set things right. I think that's what the prayers are. Now, I mean, it doesn't tell us. That's my speculation. That's George's opinion. But I think it fits with the whole aspect of the book because remember just in chapter 7 he told the martyrs excuse me one of the one of the seal judgments was is he told the martyrs to wait because the cry of the martyrs was how long oh god before you pour out your vengeance on those so but i want you to notice something the the, re, the reaction is it's the picture is it's like an offering to god those prayers are an offering. And incense is mingled with it so that it's a sweet, what, flavor, a savor, of smell in God's nostrils. If he has a nostril, he doesn't, he's a spirit. So God is pleased with our prayers. Do you understand what I'm saying? Now, look for something. Here, hold on a second. There's some, there's some implications here. Here, I want you to think about it. Think about the implication of that for a moment. Some of you aren't real in your prayers. Listen to me what I'm saying to you for a moment. Think about this. We get hurt by people, don't we? We read of Christian brothers and sisters who suffer at the hands of others. We read about that and, and we feel that the good Christian thing to do is not to say anything about it, because we're supposed to love our enemies so we can't complain to God about it. No, that is not the Bible. The Bible is, read the Psalms. The Bible is, God, when are you going, how long are you going to let this guy do this? God, is there no justice? God, when are you going to redeem your people? When are you going to come? When are you going to come, Lord, and set things right? Jesus, we want you to come back. Now, here's the other problem we have with our prayers. We don't ask for Jesus to come back because we're too comfortable here. Do you know what I'm saying? We got everything we need. If we don't, if we don't have it, we'll just go to Walmart and get it. And if they don't have it, we'll talk to the manager and say, you know, you need to get this in. The reality is, is our prayers mean something to God. And we need to be real in our prayers. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's, that's really a great implication that comes out of this section of verses. It's, it's our prayers are being offered before God. It's something He delights in. So let's back up for a moment then. So then let's think about how silly our prayers are. A parking place. Because you don't want to walk. You know, you know what I'm saying? I mean, you think about it. And, and you know what? Here's the thing. I've played for parking places before, too. God didn't ever give them. 
But that's how foolish my prayers have been. So we see that here, that he offers the prayers of the saints to God. Here's the other thing. The angel offers incense and prayers before God. That's the next point there. We see that in verse 4. And then verse 5. The angel throws the censer filled with fire to the earth, which causes thunderings, lightnings, and an earthquake. Here, if we can gain anything from this one passage, I think you can gain it from the whole book. We've got to get serious about our Christian walk, folks. You know what I'm saying? We've got to get serious. We've got to get serious about our walk with Jesus and about our prayer life. So now, verse 6 and 7, here we go. Here's the starting of the, ju- of the judgments. Here's the first trumpet judgment, as it is called. Then the seven angels who had seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. And the first angel sounded, and hail and fire followed, mingled with blood, and they were thrown to the earth. And a third of the trees were burned up, and all the green grass was burned up. Here's what I want you to see. Here's the first judgment. First of all, the seven angels prepare to blow their trumpets. We see that in verse 6. They're preparing to blow their trumpets. Verse 7 tells us this. When the first, with the first trumpet, hail and fire fall upon the earth. Hail and fire. Now, how many of you... you ever, I mean, we sometimes have... My life, wife loves to have hail. She doesn't because she's a gardener. And, and usually about June or, or even July, there, there's, there's a hailstorm that just does some serious damage. Now, if you notice when the hail falls around here, it's usually with rain, right? But this hail is something different. It falls and it's mingled with what? Fire and blood. So I want you to understand this is something supernatural. This is not a normal occurrence that's taking place here. This is not normal what's going to take place. And here's what the result is. And this is what's so devastating about it. Look at the result. The hail and fire destroy a third of all plant life on the earth. So a third of all the trees will be destroyed and all the green grass. Now, to help you understand how many trees that is, I want you to wrap your brain around it. A third of all the land mass in the world is like our Western Hemisphere, North and South America. So if you could picture in your mind all the trees dying from the North Pole to the South Pole in our hemisphere, that's what I want you to understand how devastating this is. That would be rough, wouldn't it? I mean, that, that, I mean wow. That, I mean, that's devastating. And then to wipe out all the green grass? Now think about the significance of wiping out all the green grass. What kind of significance would that have? Farming, yeah, because animals eat what? Yeah, the stuff you eat, you know, the burger I eat, that Angus, came from an Angus cow, and he's, does he eat meat? No, no, he's eating grass. Hey, I mean, so you understand the devastation that's going to take place. What's that? 
Yes, yeah, mudslides. I mean, you think about it, the erosion that will take place, it's going to be significant. Devastating effect on our ecology, our environment. Here's what I want you to look at the second judgment, the trumpet judgment. The second angel, verse 8, then the second angel sounded, and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea, and a third of the sea became blood. And a third of the living creatures in the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. Okay, here's what I want you to see. First of all, a flaming mountain was thrown into the sea. Now, this description, just for you to understand, fits with either a comet or a meteorite. Now, have you, how many of you listen to the news? I'm a news junkie, so I'm listening to the news all the time, okay? Well, how many of you, like, like I think it was within the last year, heard that there was, like, a comet that came within 400 miles of our planet, and it just, all of a sudden, they didn't even know it was there. It was like, whoop, there's a comet, and it's close. That's pretty serious, isn't it? I mean, they didn't even know it was there until it happened. Do you see what I'm saying? So, I mean, even science is finite. They can't figure out everything that's going to happen. But something comes out of the air Fits the description of fiery mountain. I mean, how many of you like shooting stars? I, you know, you go out in a camping. Oh, look, there's a shooting star. It's either space junk or a meteorite coming into the, to the atmosphere. And it, what does it look like? A bright ball burning up. When it comes to our atmosphere, folks, what does it do? It burns up. So it kind of fits the description. Now, this obviously is so devastating, though, because here's the effect of it. A third of the sea is turned to blood. So something happens to the water. And it's, it's like turned to blood. And then here's what else happens. Now, let me just stop for a moment. This judgment parallels the judgment that we see in the book of Exodus, right? When God turned the waters of the Nile to what? Blood. Now, here's what happens. A third of all marine life in ships are destroyed. So whatever hits is going to destroy, and that it's going to kill a lot, of, a lot of sea life and a lot of ships. Now, let me just stop for a moment. What kind of impact is that going to be? What's that? Yeah, food. You know what? You know what? You can begin to understand some of these things just by reading the news. Okay, remember when we had the uh, uh, BP oil crisis in the Gulf? Did, did you guys pay attention that 40% of the seafood that you consume comes from the Gulf? 40% of the seafood that you consume in this country comes from the Gulf. That's significant. So, I mean, that little body of water there, one little eco disaster affects 40% of the food that we eat. So when you talk about the food in a third of the seas in the world being destroyed, that's devastating, folks. And then shipping. Now, what's the key thing about shipping? Trade. 
Do you realize a lot of the stuff that we buy, even here at Walmart, comes on a ship? It doesn't fly in. Do you understand? It doesn't fly from China to here. It comes on a ship from China to here. So again, and, 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 and a lot of our foods come from not just the United States anymore, but they come from where? South America, China, when you eat your mushrooms, guess where they're from? You know what I'm saying? Those canned mushrooms, they're from China. Here's the, the reality is, you're talking about a disruption of the food chain. That's pretty serious. Now, let's go on. There's a third trumpet. Look with me at verse 10 through 11. Then the third angel sounded, and a great star fell from heaven, like a burning like a torch, and it fell on the third of the rivers and on the springs of water. And the name of the star is Wormwood. And a third of the waters became Wormwood. And many men died from the water because it was made bitter. Okay, now here's what I want you to see. A great star falls on a third of the rivers and springs. Again, this fits with a description of what? A comet or a meteor again. Now, I don't understand this completely, because you might be saying, well, how does one meteor affect a third of all the rivers? I don't understand this is the Bible's portrayal of what's going to happen. But I want you to see the result. Here's the result. The star is called Wormwood. Now, let me explain to you from the Bible. Wormwood is a bitter desert plant mentioned only here in the New Testament. It is mentioned seven times in the Old Testament, and it represents sorrow and bitter judgment. You talk about Wormwood in the Old Testament, it represents sorrow and bitter judgment. Now, here's what's going on here. It contaminates the water. So the water is contaminated, resulting in the death of many people. Like, for instance, folks, the water we drink here in Kerbinsville, where is it from? Anderson Creek. Where is the water from coming from in Clearfield? Folks who live in Clearfield, where does your water come from besides the water company? Where do they get it from? Montgomery Run, yes, okay. Do you understand? So... We have, our water comes from what, folks? Reservoirs that are, that are flowed into by what? Cricks. So, like, when you go drink the water in New York City, it's bad because they get it from the Hudson. I mean, that's pretty bad. By the time it gets down there, holy moly, drink bottles, okay? You know, but so what you're saying is, is so when you talk about affecting the rivers, that's where our sources of water come from, is it not, folks? And many people are going to die. Now look at the fourth judgment, verse 12. Then the fourth judgment sounded, and a third of the sun was struck, a third of the moon, and a third of the stars, so that a third of them were darkened, and a third of the day did not shine, and likewise the night. Here's what I want you to see. Here's the fourth judgment. The fourth judgment results in a third of the lights of the sky being darkened. So again, I, I don't understand completely what that means, but for some reason, the skies are going to be darkened. What do you think the significance of that? Like, what, what's, what's going to be 
What's going to be terrible about that? What's that? Okay, less the crops won't be able to grow. There's less sunlight. What else? Heat. Okay, it's going to be colder. Okay, how many of you have ever been to Alaska? I know my wife has. And and there, during the winter, it's like the land of what? Well, first of all, the midnight sun. So they have they have a lot of sun during the summer, but in the winter, how short are their days in Alaska, as far as sunlight? What? Yeah, it's pretty dark. In fact, some I, you know I was reading there that some people have in their rooms in Alaska like a sunroom, where they have like lights on bright. And, and they have something that happens with people who live in Alaska. It's a condition. What happens when you have a lack of sunlight? What happens to you emotionally? Depression happens. So the psychological effect of, you know, just a third of the heavens, the lights disappearing, the darkness. You've got the effects of cold. You've got the effects on the crops. But you also have the effect on the psych the psychological aspect of a person. That's pretty devastating, isn't it? That's pretty devastating. Now, when you consider some the events of our recent times, do these judgments seem outrageous? No. Have you seen the pictures of the water when the oil thing happened? The water was what? What color, folks? Brown, reddish brown. Do you understand what I'm saying? So when you see those things, you begin to realize, you know, this, this is not too far out. Yeah, now, hail mixed with fire, I can't wrap my brain around that one. A third of the lights disappearing, can't wrap my brain around that. But when you read about some of these other things, yeah, meteors falling out of the sky. Yeah, you're right, Bruce. So we're talking about the God of the universe who created everything, who parted the seas. He can do whatever he wants. That's why I said what I said at the beginning. This is going to happen. The issue is whether or not you believe it. Do you understand what I'm saying? Now, if you don't believe it, that's not going to change it. Do you understand? It's not going to change that it happens, but it really is a reflection of where your heart is. And as a believer... We believe that the Word of God is true, and we've seen other prophecies fulfilled. This is yet to be fulfilled. This is going to happen, folks. This is why it's so devastating. And remember, this is why this is given in answer to prayers. Think about it for a moment. Let's go through the chronology of this, because you're thinking, some of you are like, what? In answer to prayers? Think about the chronology of what we just looked at here. Verse 1, the seventh seal is open. There's, there's uh, what? Silence in heaven for 30 minutes. Verse 2, seven trumpets of judgment are handed out to seven angels. While those trumpets are handed out, it's almost like pause. Over here, something else is happening that is tied to what's going to happen. An angel shows up with a censer of the prayers of the saints, mingles it with incense, and offers it before God. And I said to you, I, that's why I think those prayers are the prayers for vengeance, the prayers for justice, the prayers for retribution, God, on the wicked. 
And then after those prayers are, are what? Offered, then the judgments are sounded. And then we begin to see what? The terrible things happen. See, my friends, this is an answer to our prayers. This is an answer to God's retribution for the wicked. Do you understand? Let's pray.